Welcome to The Window. This is Dr. I, and I'm here with my buddy, Dr. Joe. Good afternoon. And we are delighted that you decided to spend some time with us today. Um, we are going to talk about a, a fairly uh, complex but a very serious issue in our community, and that is the violence that's been going on, particularly as it affects our children. Um, but in addition to that, this is Memorial Day weekend. And traditionally, I don't know about you, but my parents used to go to the graveyard and put flowers on all of our family members out there and tell us stories about their lives and, and how wonderful they were. And we would just spend the day reminiscing about people that had gone on before us. And I don't want to forget about um, the soldiers, the veterans, which are, uh, was a main reason for having Memorial Day. Um, Army, Navy, Marines going to different countries and giving their lives so we could be free. And what about the Tuskegee Airmen? Um, they were a group of black uh, veterans that were very successful as they flew across the skies of the United States. And I understand there's a few of them still left. But let's remember that there's a lot of people um, that have sacrificed their lives for what we enjoy today. And we need to remember them this weekend and every day. Agreed? Agreed. So happy long Memorial Day weekend, everyone. And you're right about us turning the holiday into a chance to memorialize everyone dear to us. In fact, next week we'll have a show about grief and certainly losing a loved one is the main form of grief that we suffer. But I saw um, last night a rerun of a show that aired several weeks ago. For those of us in the baby boom generation, it's particularly close to our hearts because it had to do with Marvin Gaye. Oh, I love it. And, uh, and, and the lyrics that stand out in my mind that are relevant to what we're talking about today is when he talks about there are far too many brothers dying and there are far too many mothers crying. Mm -hmm. And so right after that, I saw the local news channel, and I will confess that there's one thing that I've tended to skim over in the news, shame on me, but it's because not only can I not take anymore, but we've started to normalize it. We've started to normalize people just getting shot and killed in the street, just senseless violence. I remember years ago, actually decades ago now, when we had our first national mass shooting in the United States at um, Sandy Hook, Columbine, the, the whole nation stopped and we said, what is going on? Now that happens, it might get a few minutes on the news, we might pay a few minutes of attention to it and similarly one-on-one -on -one, we're getting people down it's the wild wild west and we see it happen and we hear about it happening and if it doesn't impact us directly we think well we keep on going it impacts us all directly and it's so complicated um, people have mental illness that they carry around for years undiagnosed and then people take out their grudges on people that have nothing to do with the situation that they're angry about. Um, I have to turn on, I listen to the news once a day and then I got to just turn it off because it's depressing. 
we've heard a lot and talked a lot on this show about police violence and and we've had several segments about that dealing on the the George Floyd murder trial we had um, several weeks ago um, folks who are pretty passionate about the fact that we should all be armed but they were careful to say that us being all armed doesn't mean we should all be dangerous that they're advocates for gun control laws but one thing that troubles me when I read the social media comments which I do far too often when I read the social media comments about protests about um, police violence and other types of atrocities that we need to speak out against there's always someone who'll say well gee when someone shot someone in the neighborhood last week no one ever did anything about that and I've never believed that was true that no one's doing anything about that and so we're very honored today to have both in studio and on the phone so you'll hear a number of guests that will go back and forth between we have a group of folks who are doing something about it who are saying we cannot live in a society in the United States of America where you can randomly walk down the street I had a student who told me another student from another country said that to her and she was offended someone from another country said well gee I heard if you go to the United States you can be randomly walking down the street and get shot for no reason and all the other students said that's true. Mm-hmm. That's the world we live in. Mm. And so, Dr. I, we have a number of guests here today, but we're going to start out with a group, and it's one of hopefully many groups that are doing something, and we're going to ask members of our audience to think about what each one of us can do well. But there's a group called Moms Demand Action. I was strolling through a local park about a week ago, and I heard music, and I heard speakers, and I walked over, and I saw them wearing bright red t-shirts, and I'm looking at right now now in the t-shirt moms demand action so we're going to start by talking to one of those moms and finding out what they're demanding action about we actually have two representatives from the organization here one in person and one will bring in on a phone line so we're going to start out with lisa voigt from moms demand action she's their legislative lead and on the line we also have sheila blanchard who's the community outreach lead so let me start by being sure sheila that you were there on the line good afternoon yes i am here thank you for being here and also lisa is here i'm going to ask lisa to start out by telling us about your organization sheila feel free to chime in at any time what it is you do why you do it what you've accomplished what you hope to accomplish tell us about you well thank you so much for having us um, here today we are a single issue nonpartisan volunteer grassroots organization that was founded after the Sandy Hook shooting that you referred to, um, founded by a mom, but we are um, mothers and others, we like to say. We are not just moms, um, we are anyone who is committed to reducing gun violence in this country, which we think is possible. Um, we, uh, I, as you mentioned, I'm a volunteer who focuses on state legislation. Um, I live here in Columbus. I can get to the State House relatively easily. It only takes me about 15 minutes. And it was just about four years ago that I went for the first time when there was a hearing on a gun bill to allow guns in sensitive areas where they are currently or used to be prohibited, including daycares, police stations, um, airports, and college campuses. And I teach at The Ohio State University, so I was concerned about that. When I went, I saw the hearing room full of these red t-shirts that you mentioned and realized that that this was an organization that was trying to do something. Um, 
in a very simple way by showing up at hearings and showing that we were paying attention to the very da dangerous legislation that um, they were trying to pass that would allow more guns in more places, which we know is, is not safe. Um, since then, I've learned the many different ways that Moms Demand Action is um, involved on this issue, including the community outreach that Sheila is going to speak about, including support for survivors of gun violence, including education about safe storage of firearms in homes. Um, and I'm sure there are, there are other, uh, other facets I'm not mentioning as well, but Sheila could talk about the community outreach portion. Okay, before we turn it over to Sheila and that, so this whole legislative piece that you're talking about, mm -hmm. these are systemic issues, would that be correct? Absolutely. Um, what we've seen in Ohio is a move to uh, relaxing gun restrictions, promoting more guns in more places over the last number of years. I should, when I introduce the organization, I should mention we are not opposed to the Second Amendment, and we support. We have many gun owners who are members of our organization. We're for responsible gun ownership, um, as most gun owners are. So we know that there's uh, legislation that can promote that. Um, and there's legislation that can make that uh, worse, that can promote more guns uh, in uh, that more people are taking into more places without the proper training and background checks. So we're focusing on, um, on legislation. Often what we're fighting in Ohio is legislation that takes away the things that keep, um, uh, keep guns only in the hands of people who are responsible, who are properly trained, and who've had background checks. So, I don't know, Dr. I, it's feeling to me like it should be a no-brainer that everyone would want more responsible gun ownership. Can you, can you please help us understand, Lisa, what the problems are with that? Well, I, I share that. And in fact, we know from opinion polls that 90% of Americans, I mean, what do 90% of Americans agree on? Not a lot, but things like background checks for gun ownership and um, permits for concealed carrying in public places. Um, those are things that Ohioans and Americans across the country of all parties um, agree on. What I hear in, uh, when I go to hearings where people are arguing for, um, you know, uh, rolling back these uh, gun safety laws um, or promoting stand your ground, for example, I hear a lot of fear um, and I hear a lot of, um, you know, ideology based in uh, the, the Second Amendment um, allows uh, individual that this is a constitutional right for people to carry firearms, um, anyone in any place at any time. And that is not, in fact, even what the Second Amendment, we know the wording of the Second Amendment, but we also know how the Supreme Court has ruled on the Second mm -hmm. Amendment and reasonable uh, restrictions on uh, on where guns can be, um, and not in not in sensitive areas where there are school children or children in, in daycare is, is one of them. Uh, th those have long been ruled uh, constitutional. That is not what the Second Amendment is about. So I think there's been a real campaign by groups like uh, the NRA and um, other gun lobby organizations that want um, more guns uh, among more people. And that there's a genuine uh, feeling that I, you know, people can protect themselves with a gun when we know statistically that a gun in the home is, is more likely to result in uh, gun death than not. 
So here's some of what we hear out and about on the street. Tell us your thoughts about this. So first thing is guns don't cause violence. People do. We agree with that. Uh, Absolutely. A a gun allows people who are going to cause violence to do it more easily and in a more lethal way. Um, We believe in um, background checks on all gun sales. So currently you do have to go through a background check to buy a gun from a licensed dealer. But we have that law was created before the Internet and we have... um, Uh, gun sales happening online all the time Uh, um, a website called arms list uh, that will sell a gun and you can meet the the seller anywhere you want we Mm. want them to meet at a dealer and go through a background check just like you have to do in a gun store so um, uh, closing that loophole that allows people to purchase guns from strangers with no background check at all is one thing that would um, keep guns out of the hands of people who would be a danger with them. Another is a law often called a red flag law or extreme risk protection order. It's been proposed. Um, it actually has bipartisan sponsorship in the Ohio State Senate. We really, um, th- th- this is a law that would allow loved ones to intervene and to go petition a court to remove temporarily a firearm from someone who's in immediate danger to themselves or others. And even though, I mean, we have to talk about the um, incredible uh, levels of uh, you know gun homicide um, in the state of Ohio the way they've been increasing the way they've impacted especially communities of color but um, gun suicide accounts for 60% of gun deaths and that is also rising at an astronomical rate among children among communities of color among white communities as well and so a law that would allow um, a family member to um, intervene if they see the warning signs of suicide could have a real impact. So those are just some of the ways, and we found that to be a productive conversation with people. That isn't about the gun, that's about the person who's, um, it poses a danger to themselves or others and how to intervene in that in that moment. We see most mass shootings have those sorts of um, red flags uh, in advance where uh, someone knew, the most recent one in Indianapolis, um, knew that it could lead to um, that and in domestic violence situations, that's often um, there are warning signs for that. So that's the kind of law that keeps guns out of the hands of people who are going to be um, a danger to themselves or others. Just in California, just this week, um, the guy that shot all the people at work, mm-hmm. his ex-wife said that mm-hmm. you know he was he was a violent person. Yeah, and uh, and you see the result of that. So then that leads then to another objection that I've heard on the streets about more stringent gun control laws. What we really need to do is have more mental health treatment. And uh, we would agree with investments in that as as well. Um, We, as I said, we're kind of, you know, single issue and focus on what we can do to reduce gun violence as it pertains to these laws. But that is certainly tied to investment in mental health is is key to that as well and mental health is something that people just don't want to admit mm-hmm. and they don't want to admit that their family has some family members have some problems right but friends know mm-hmm. um, and I think they ought to include friends in that category absolutely um, these uh, laws um, require 
an individual to present um, evidence before a judge. This is not simply that someone can get someone's guns taken away for no reason. A, a judge has to see that, that evidence and agree to it. Um, but there are a lot of individuals who could um, you know, know that and, and just knowing that you could um, have some recourse in a situation I think is really empowering to people. So, Sheila, keep hanging on, if you will. We have another gentleman in the studio who is nodding his head um, fiercely at everything that we're talking about right now. And he's actually at a grassroots level working in the field. He's Derek Russell, and he's founder of an organization called Listen Good Youth. And we're going to ask Derek if he could answer the same types of questions for us dealing with what it is your organization does and why you do it. We know you're a busy Telephone. guy. You have yeah. several commitments already. Yes. Uh, well, being, um, you know, uh, on the other side, mm -hmm. uh, being incarcerated, mm -hmm. once uh, charged with carrying a concealed, unconcealed weapon without permits. Um, so I can see it from both ends now through the eyes of God after being released from while I was in prison, incarcerated. Um, I had a vision. God gave me a vision. Vision and dream is two different things. He said, three things going to happen to you when you come home. You're going to die fast. You're going back to prison for the rest of your life. Or you're going to be successful. From there, I became uh, a prison role model and walked right into the look that God uh, pointed me in the direction and the work to do. Uh, guns uh, ruin lives. Uh, it, de it destroys families and communities. Uh, my role in it is trying to just get the people to think right and to do the right things by using my own personal life as an example. Um, some things we do, we, we bring about the uh, awareness, the time that's attached to it. Um, we know some of the youth and young adults out here don't really see what's in front of them. Uh, but once they get to that dark place, then it's something different. Um, so we uh, do marches every Monday uh, and walks and uh, demands action, moms demand actions in uh, collaboration of other groups come out and uh, we pass our gun safety locks and we pass our resources to the community and uh, we feel some of the, the crime without the lack of food, clothing, and shelter, and those type of opportunities uh, help crime go up. Uh, so our strategy is to bring it to the community and spread an awareness that way. Okay. Derek, you have said so much that is so important. And we're going to ask you to continue to share as much of your story as you feel comfortable in doing what led you to do the things that you're now apparently trying to prevent others from doing. Some of the factors that you talked about may have led you to it. 
and led others to it as well. And then more importantly, what you're doing and what others in our audience might be able to join you in doing if they feel inclined to do that. So if you could stick with us just a little bit longer, let us cut away to a, a break and then we'll come right back to you here on the window. Sure. demand action and I have a question for Mr. Derek Russell who's the founder of Listen Good Youth. Is it social media that has made us um, more aware of violence that's all, always been there? Yes, yes, I uh, totally agree with that because it do bring awareness out. Uh, you know, growing up in our era, you didn't have, uh, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't even recognize that it was 81 murders at this time if it wasn't social media mm -hmm. or the, uh, the impact that uh, it, uh, it put on people and uh, families. You wouldn't uh, knew it back in our air. So it, it, it was like it was in a box, you know, and uh, the message just wasn't out there like how social media get it out there like 30 times faster mm -hmm. than what it was when we was growing up in our era. So you think that people always had guns and there was always that threat, but we just didn't hear about it the way that we hear about it now. Yes, but one thing I will count on that is that the rate far as younger. So uh, I remember uh, years ago when I first came home, I saw it and I was on the street soldier, Walter, uh, Walter Smith show. And I, I told him, I said, oh, it's changing. I said, if we don't get a grip on it and get out in front of it, we're going to start seeing them at 10, 11, 12, and 13 mm -hmm. uh, with these guns. And so it started it start to change. Uh, although uh, one life or one person being shot, we should it should carry the same weight as a million or 50 uh, because... Uh, that's, that person was is precious to someone. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we keep that in mind as well, so if we can eliminate, uh, eliminate all of it, it'll be good. But reducing it and cutting it, cut, cutting, cutting back on it is good as well. It's good too. But let's look like, let's look at it like all life is important. Mm -hmm. All life. Derek, you were you were gracious enough to share with us before the break your own experience. You were incarcerated, yeah. and your incarceration involved the use of a gun and violence. Help us understand what it is that's going through someone's mind or spirit when they commit those kinds of acts. 
So it can be num- uh, numerous things. Uh, well, let's talk about growing up in my in the air. So I grew up in the area where gangs and drugs were just the crack academic was just taking off. So when that was introduced into the black community, crime started to sh- skyrocket too. So you had people strung on the, on the drugs. Then you had people, if you if you strung out on something, you're gonna rob, steal, cheat, and do anything to get that high or that drug on any type of addiction. So that was that uh, was at its peak in that era. And so and then territory, you know, uh, people we competing, everybody competing, to, you know, uh, 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 with the cars, with the money, the fast life, the bling bling, and all that. So all that was an attraction too, because um, I was at, uh, I had one foot in, one foot out. I was tagged as a gang member at the age of 15 by the Columbus Police Department, though. Uh, but I still graduated from Weston High School. And the first time I was shot, I was uh, 18 in my senior year. But I went to Central State University. But when I flunked out of Central State University, I came back to what shaped and molded me my whole life, my my environment. And the attraction was that drug, that money. And like, well, I ain't gonna make it. College, this is the way. Uh, so I was trapped up into an illusion. But at that time, I didn't understand or know what I was trapped up into. Are you talking about like the 80s? Like, like the uh, 80s, going into the 80s, and then all the way into 96, 98, and then, you know, through mm-hmm. that whole crack academic mm-hmm. so but now there's so many different drugs out there that the young ones is using now so it's a mixture of everything and and that's driving crime up as well um, as I know uh, you know drinking and doing drugs it damages your thinking and so it gets you to do things that you uh, normally wouldn't do when you're sober so all all of that play a factor in the okay. crime. So, so Derek, with all of that going on, what what are you doing, and what can our listeners do to make a difference in some way? Yes. So I always believe, and when we get back to the village, uh, we all talk about that. Uh, and the village can work in many different ways. Uh, ain't no uh, organization or, or, or individual should state that they bigger than the village uh, um, so in that collaboration effort and everybody coming together as one for the common cause of reducing these shootings uh, mothers and grandmothers are grieving stop some of that uh, so I just like a col- uh, collective effort uh, family members and people who've been around that stay consistent with the families the, uh, the community and the youth uh each one teach one, each one reach one, so that uh, we can reduce some of it. So it's going to take everyone collectively to, to be, a, be a part of it. And we got to stay consistent. We got to stay on it and be out in front of it at all times. Now, I might be more in depth in doing what I do, but my role or what I do, it ain't bigger than the role of a person just pulling up at the gas station and say, hey, young man, you uh, carrying that pistol and it's loosely, you know, some kind words or something, you know, just 
teaching and you know then sometimes people are like man you asked the wrong person so baby, I might get shot but uh, I feel that we we can't live in fear you see um, and I think we got to all thank for one another so in dealing with the youth we got to thank for them and then even as adults we got to thank for one another in reason I got to jump in there thinking about Makia and the village yes. I know this is off topic yeah. But when Dr. Joe and I grew up, uh, that wouldn't have happened. Somebody was look would be looking out the window and come out there and take charge of that situation and send everybody home, call their parents, yes. the village. And we've lost that connection to one another. Um, we just don't have the 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 camaraderie and the concern and and it's just like i'm gonna turn my head the other way because i don't want to be bothered derek we so appreciate you stopping by today we know you have other community work you're involved in and so to our listeners again derek russell is founder of listen good youth if you'd like to learn more about his work and even support his work here's his website address as he prepares to leave us and we bring other guests on l g y the numeral four youth.org l g y the numeral four Y-O-U-T-H dot org. Thank you so much. We really appreciate all you're doing to turn your experiences into good for, for yeah. someone else as we fight this senseless street violence. We appreciate yeah. you being on today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So again, on the window, we are talking about street violence and what's being done. We heard earlier in the hour from Moms Demand Action Representative Lisa Voigt, who's the legislative lead. On the line now, we have Sheila Blanchard, who's the community outreach lead for Moms Demand Action. Sheila, tell us about your role, please, in this in this fight, in this fighting back. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on uh, with such fabulous people today. Um, my, I'll have to say my story started a couple years ago. My niece, <clears throat> excuse me, was taken from us in the Dayton mass shooting in 2019 on August the 4th. Mm. Um, that was the probably one of the hardest days of my life, but it was it just spun me into action. So I found Moms Demand Action just from the algorithms on on YouTube and went to a meeting, signed up immediately. And the first thing that I, I learned was about the loopholes and the background checks. And I would go with them down to the state legislator and speak on all these horrible bills to try to stop these things from being introduced and implemented. But since then, I um, just joined, there was an incident with a two-year-old unintentional shooting that happened. And Derek had posted in the Linden community and Columbus Stop the Violence group that they were going to be marching and, you know, bringing some awareness to that whole incident. And uh, just all of the incidents, and just not that one in particular. So I, I joined them um, as a concerned citizen, not just as a 
volunteer with Moms Demand Action. And I met some so many amazing people that truly um, we all had one mind, one mission, and that was to decrease the gun violence in the community and also to be able to share with the community that there is another way. So since then, we've joined with moms, volunteers. We have um, connected with We Are Linden, Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children, um, Derek Russell with um, Listen Good Youth, um, Dion with the um, Fudge Foundation in in Dayton, Ohio. Um, His father was also taken from us, killed in that mass shooting, and I grew up with his father. So there's just, um, so what we do is we, we're out on Mondays. Well, we support their efforts, and these are some phenomenal um, people. Their heart, their passion, um, our heart and our passion, it just, we just have a, it's a net, uh, a mesh that fits. And so bringing the resources to the community, knocking on doors, um, touching them, speaking with people. That's my heart. Walk through the community, talk with them, and just let them know that someone cares. Give them some hope. It doesn't always have to be this way, that their voice is their power, their vote is their power, and that we together, we're stronger together, and we can make a change. Talk to us about that vote, if you will. Well, my own initiative, I mean, moms as well, is that if we don't vote, civic engagement, understanding that our vote at the, our, us marching to the ballot box can make a huge difference in the policies, well, actually the elected officials, we have, a, we have a voice and a say in who we elect to office, be it the school board, city council, um, mayor's office. There's so many different, the DA, prosecutors, um, judges, um, the list goes on. But what happens is a lot of times people, were, we're so beaten down by the policies and things that are in place that we feel like our vote just doesn't matter when we have seen in Georgia with the runoff election that their voice did matter. Marching to the ballot box, you can make a difference and change and have people in position to change the narrative, to increase the economic, bring the economic um, wealth, decrease that economic wealth divide. Because in my mind, and I, and I know in others, the gun violence is a result of, there's so many layers to this, and I'm sure you all can probably elaborate on that more, better than I can, but there's so many layers to this, so I try to stay focused or I would be fighting a different battle every day. It's economics. I always say follow the money, and there's just so many layers to this. I'll stop now. <laughs> I, I think that's a great point that we'll talk about before the show ends in terms of what people can do. There are a lot of layers, and if people can determine what their own particular passion and level of influence 
could be that might be a start we're going to have to go to break in just a moment when we come back we're going to talk with more representatives of the community organizations that you mentioned Sheila but if you feel inclined to do so could you please just as we go into break just tell us a bit about your niece I don't want people to get lost in statistics what was her name how old was she her name was Monica Brickhouse Story Brickhouse from born in Springfield, Ohio, um, lived in Dayton, Ohio. She had a little son named Grayson, who is now seven. And my sister, her mom, Benita Monica, was just, um, she was 39 years old, um, coming up on her 41st birthday next week, June the 3rd. And, um, our lives have just never been the same. And I'm going to guess, based on the circumstances around that shooting in Dayton, that your niece was just out enjoying herself that evening. Absolutely. Actually, her girlfriend, you know, they had, we just, um, it's been a year since the um, Dayton tornado. So the tornado happened Memorial Day weekend. And then, um, so they were out. A girlfriend of hers that came to visit, her name is Miss B, Beatrice. And so they decided to do, it was at the Oregon District in Dayton. And people were, had been through a month of trying to just get their lives back together after the tornado. So they decided to go to the Oregon District. And that incident happened. And um, the gentleman should have never had a gun. He should have been put on a placed on a watch list. But... He was removed. He was on a watch list in high school, but his name was removed because after he turned age of 18, they took him off the list. So So to our listeners, that could have been any one of our families. Sheila, thank you for... Um, sharing your pain, our condolences, but thank you for turning your pain into purpose. We're going to take a break. Sheila, feel free to stay with us. Um, We have two other members of organizations fighting back against senseless violence when we come back on the window. Talking about an issue we wish we didn't even have to talk about, much less deal with senseless violence in the streets. We've heard from Moms Demand Action representatives. They're at momsdemandaction.org, by the way. And we've heard from one of the community partners out in the streets trying to make a change. We have two other folks we'd like to talk to today. On the line, we have Melissa Thomas St. Clair, who's the founder of an organization whose name I don't even like to say. She's founder of Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children. You can find them on Facebook, Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children. Melissa, thank you for being here with us today. Please tell us about your organization. Good afternoon, and thank you for having me. My name is Melissa Thomas Sinclair, and as stated, I am the founder of Mothers of Murdered Columbus Children, along with my co-founder, Carla Harris. On August 12th, 2020, it was my enough is enough moment. Now, I will say, my enough is enough moment should have came on April 29, 2013, when I lost my son to violence in the city of Columbus. My son, Anthony St. Clair, was 22 years old. 
when he was taken senselessly from this community. I used his testimony in a small way. I'm a Columbus City School educator and would use his testimony with my students and former students and on a smaller level up until August 12, 2020. When the the two-year-old was taken um, in the same community that I educate, um, I had to do something. And I put a small blurb on Facebook where I just kind of expressed the fact that I needed to do something more than what I had been doing. My co-founder, Carla Harris, (laughs) said, well, let's do something. Our Facebook was created Our Facebook group was created in that moment, and then we held our first event, um, which is uh, an outreach event in that same area where the two-year-old was um, killed, and we just want to bring awareness that there is an organization based on mother's pain to bring, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) to bring preventative measures to the city so that we can have safer neighborhoods um, and opportunities for our community residents to join in in the efforts in slowing the spread of violence, which is now an epidemic in our city. Um, We have held several outreach events, which is our signature community coverings. We were out in Mount Vernon, Linden, out east on Livingston by Courtright. I'm sorry, I have a tracheotomy, so I'll be coughing a little, I apologize. Also, on the west side of Columbus, we collaborate with other organizers like Derek Russell, Ralph Carter, Sheila Blanchard with Moms Demand Action, who are just phenomenal superheroes in the community. (laughs) Anyone who reaches out to us, we try to make sure that we are there as a support system to bring us solidarity to the community and because we are the majority law-abiding citizens who want a safe city we are the majority but the problem with us being the majority is we're working as individuals and we're working on islands so you may have a collection of collaborative organizations in this pocket a collection of outraged citizens over here in this pocket we're not all, all all coming together as a unified front. And the heinous behavior that is becoming um, the sound and the voice and the, and the, and the identifi- identification of Columbus is looking like it's the majority and it's not. <laughs> if we all come together as a collectified, unified front with the same desire and that is to stop the spread of this violence. It can work. It will work. And I'm hoping that our prevention, our outreach, our awareness efforts will not fall on deaf ears. And people will come off of social media and get into the communities, into the vulnerable areas that need the, the support. And let's fix this. <laughs> Melissa, this is Dr. I. I have a question for you and the the groups that you work with. What would success look like if everybody was able to get on the same page 
what would be the outcome that you would desire? Well, the true outcome is a change in mindset, a growth in the compassion, in the empathy, and the humanity back into the hearts of our residents. Because if we can go back to the days of old where we all had a compassionate heart towards others, we will see less and less heinous activity against anybody because everybody deserves an opportunity to live, but not even just live, but to live with a peaceful nature in a community that we love so much. We are seeing um, the acts of crime, heinous crime. I looked at the video of that incident that happened right there on Livingston and Court right at Fisher's. I was outraged at the lack of humanity when three people can get out of a vehicle in broad daylight with all types of traffic happening and unload 23, 23 bullets into a car at close range. These are different times. I was listening in when we were talking about do we think that this has always been and social media has just erupted it into like uh, bringing it to light. This is much different era than what we were seeing before. Um, you know, once before, women and children in activities of crime were off limits. And at this point, everybody's fair game. Children, elderly, seniors, women, it doesn't, children, it doesn't matter. And that's, that's the scary part. So hopefully, if we can truly change the mindset and the heart of the individuals, we will stop this. Well, you know, a lot of that um, back in the day, because I was back in that day when the village was active, had to do with the impact and the influence of our faith-based community as well as our community organizations of, of, of shaping the mindset and the, the priorities of the people in the community. How are we going to work with, how, how are we going to turn that around? It is, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a definitely slow um, process. But we have to remain consistent. We have to remain um, vigilant in our convictions. And we have to land on the side of what's right. So to the organizers, I'm speaking even to myself, we have to remain humble in the mission. We have to stand steadfast on what God has placed on us to do because Power trips are real. Division, even in a mission, can can take place. And it's important that no one stands above what the mission is and collectively stay unified. Um, it's important that we reach the right demographic because my, my uh, I feel like a goldfish in the ocean sometimes because I feel like as much work as we put into this mission, I'm not hitting the right demographic that needs that mindset change. So we have to find creative ways to find the people that really truly need this outreach and support services. And um, 
stay stay prayerful, um, stay mindful of the sensitive nature in which we are in, um, and then always stay connected to your initial reason why you started this mission. Melissa mentioned demographics. I, I want folks who can't see us in studio to know that there are people of multiple races involved in this effort. And so this is a community problem. Melissa, thank you so much for being with us today for the work that you're doing with mothers of murdered Columbus children. There is one way that our entire community can get involved and collaborate in the way that you said. This Friday, June 4th, is National Gun Violence Awareness Day, and there's an appeal for everyone to at a minimum wear orange to just show that we are united behind this desire to bring back, as you said, the humanity. We have one last guest here today um, that represents an organization that has a number of activities planned even in the next few weeks that we want you to know about. Ralph Carter is founder of We Are Linden. Their website is wearelindencommunity.com. And certainly when we talk about old school in the neighborhood, Iris, those of you familiar with Central Ohio are familiar with the Linden area and what a pivotal role they've played in Columbus throughout the years. So, Ralph, thank you for being here as well. Uh, thank you for having me. Tell us about your organization, WeAreLinden.org. How did you come to be? What do you do? And, and what are these events that you're having coming up? Um, first, uh, We Are Linden is pretty much um, an organization that just comprised of uh, a series of problematic activities, um, events. Um, we be there at, we're there as needed um, to, to host and, and help wherever is needed for the community. Uh, to help and support other organizations, um, and just to bring that that positive uh, outlook to the community. Um, of course, you you see, like we're talking about now, everything that has plagued not just Linden, all over Columbus, but we want to be that positive face and outlet for the community because there are good things that happen in Linden and good individuals that are there to help and serve. All right, so you have information to share with us about community events coming up? Uh, yes, so um, just uh, we are, we have a rolling calendar. Uh, so this is the next things that we have up just as far as with Lee R. Linden. Um, we have a community tailgate uh, that Saturday, June 5th um, at Maloney Park. Um, and the basis of that is, again, just community engagement. We'll have resource tables uh, out there as well as just the various activities. Um, we have various partnerships, of course, like Mom Demand Action. Uh, we have the Pickett Sisters coming, uh, the Carter Chronicles, as well as Sharia Alexis, and of course, um, Mothers, Mothers of Murder, uh, Murder Columbus Children. Excuse me, Miss Melissa, for uh, stumbling on that. But um, again, it's just an event to bring the community together. Um, also, of course, uh, wearing orange. I mean, this is a big thing um, that our community needs. We need we need that positivity outlet, a positive outlet, and individuals that are that are in the community that want to support. Um, that we need that we need that community support. Uh, so if residents that are on here, um, uh, even supporters, come out um, because you are lended. Rather, if you work there, live there, support, um, even just grew up there like me, um, you are the community, and you know we need you. Uh, the Father's Day fish fry, of course, all fathers, it, it, even if you're not a father, come. Uh, we're, we're just wanting to have positive men come and gather because you don't know, uh, you can share something with someone that can really potentially help them um, in their life. And we <laughs> want to bring those brothers together. 
And we are going to have a special show about Father's Day and the importance of fathers in everything, but especially in this movement. One last question for you, Ralph. What made you personally decide to do this, to get involved at this level? Um, my, my mother uh, was a big community advocate. Uh, she served um, with the uh, Concerned Parent Group that was housed uh, through St. Stephen's. Um, and just seeing her her mission and drive just to really change things in the community, uh, me being right there um, by her side, I just I just took that initiative and took it on my shoulders. I'm a social worker's kid, too. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Yes. To all of our guests today, Lisa Voigt and Sheila Blanchard from Moms Demand Action to our On the boots on the ground community representatives melissa thomas st Clair, founder of mothers of murdered children ralph carter founder of we are linden Derek russell a founder of listen good youth we are so grateful to you for everything you're doing to raise our awareness that we cannot normalize what's going on in our community it's all of our community each one of us plays a role remember next friday is gun violence awareness for those of you who are saying well gee not all violence occurs with guns miss me with that please take a stand against violence everywhere. Thank you all so much for listening today to this very important topic. Please have a safe and healthy Memorial Day. Dr. I? I'm just going to say that if you know someone who has evil intentions and they have access to firearms, open your mouth and tell the appropriate people. Even evil intentions toward Even themselves. If themselves, if it's a family member, it does not matter. I do hope that you have a, a wonderful Memorial Weekend. Think about the loved ones that you've lost, and let's try to keep violence out of the homes. I'm keeping my mask on. Get vaccinated. Absolutely. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend, folks. We'll see you next week on The Window. Goodbye. Goodbye.